I always loved color, but because of it, I knew I needed to understand color better. So we have got something special for you this week. Coming up, I have a conversation with Kelly Wynn Conrad, and we are talking all about collaboration, failures, the roller coaster of being an artist, and most of all, the gift of color. Hello and welcome to Art Juice. This is honest, generous and humorous conversations that will feed your creative soul and get you thinking with me, Alice Sheridan. And today I have got a guest with me. Hello, Kelly Wynn Conrad. Hello, Alice. I'm so excited to be here. Do you remember when we first met online? Well, I know it was before either of you, you or I had our own art business. I mean, we were painters and selling our art, but yeah. we weren't teaching online yet. So, so this is a while. It has been a while. So this is one of those relationships that you can't quite figure out where it began and um, people grow with you. And this is, I just thought that this was a perfect opportunity to introduce Kelly to those of you who don't know her. And I know a lot of you do because you've been part of her courses or you've been part of her membership. But I think the reason that I first uh, was drawn to you was your kind of obsessive love of colour, which I think many of us share. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but first of all, tell me, how has your week been? What have you been working on? Well, I am currently trying to overhaul my art studio because it's a disaster and I really can't get in and make any art right now. You know how it is as a creative one project after another and you're just rushing through it until suddenly it's yeah. like something exploded and so I'm trying to work through a massive overhaul and my big goal is to get rid of at least 25% of what's in my studio. So like, do you have I'm a time really scale when you do that? Do you tend to do that once a year or just when it needs it? Yeah, about, I think I would say about once a year that I do it, um, it needs an overhaul. I like clean regularly because I need to start fresh every time I start a new mm -hmm. project. Um, so I'm really excited to get back into painting right now. I'm kind of interested in doing some landscapes for a little while and I'm working on seascapes for the re-release of another course. This is the year of finishing. So my whole goal has been finishing all my courses all my projects and just kind of tying up all those loose ends and making everything flow nicely, which is not easy to do when you have a creative brain and your brain kind of always wants to take detours. But this is the year my goal is finishing. So finishing cleaning my studio, finishing working on some of the art projects that have just kind of been piling up and seeing where that takes me next before I start anything new. A little bit of, of real life trash clearing doesn't do anybody any harm, does it? No kidding. It just feels so, like such a, a weight is lifted. And I don't even mind throwing out artwork. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, but you can donate it. But I don't want that artwork out into the world. So I'll donate money or I'll donate supplies. But sometimes it's time to paint over or cut yeah. apart old artwork and get that freedom to let go. And that's kind of what I'm working through right now. So let's backtrack a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your history with art. How did you come to this in the first place? Well, I am one of those rare cases that I'm a fourth generation artist. So my great grandfather, my great uncle and my father have all been professional artists. I grew up with it. I grew up in a neighborhood where probably about 75% of the people in the neighborhood supported themselves through making art and supported themselves well. 
is and unusual. I didn't even realize how weird that was that that these artists were able to make a really good income. This is through the 80s and early 90s that I I was part of this like our family lived in this neighborhood that was just gorgeous. So for me, it was like all around me. And of course, I wanted to be an artist, but I didn't really know how. So I took a long route to get back to it. I looked at going to art school and it was so expensive. So I went and joined the army. How weird is that? Like that's so opposite. I always I forget love, that. I don't know, because to me, adventure was always also part of my life. And I just thought, man, I'll just get to meet new people, get away, see things, do things, learn things. And I loved actually being in the army for someone who has a wild creative brain, forced structure can be really good. Yeah. I yeah. never thought that I'd be able to survive it, but it was really not as hard as I thought it was going to be as far as the structure. Sure, there were physical demands and mental demands, but getting in a system and a routine was actually really good for me and probably helped me later on in life. I got out after I had my first child because I don't think I was suited to do both at the same time. There are many women who are very capable of that. And I stayed home and raised my family. My husband continued to provide for us. And I took art classes again and did a lot of creative outlets. But it was after my third child was born. I mean, he was less than a year old that I just had this like aha moment where I'm like, I cannot wait until they're gone from the house to, mm. to go back to where I needed to be. I just had this like, overwhelming sensation that I needed to come back to my roots as an artist. But I was really generous with myself and gave myself a few years to come back and not like, mm -hmm. I need to do it tomorrow. I gave myself a couple of years to transition and start studying again. And then another couple of years to practice, practice, practice before I even took that next step to show my work. So it was 2012 when I showed in my first gallery event and since then it's just been kind of a crazy whirlwind but I gave myself a good four years to get into that routine again I think that's the thing that we mistake with the artists that it's just an overnight sensation mm -hmm. but I took time to really practice and know myself and it's still a journey of knowing myself all the time but to come to the point of making art to teach that was just kind of like my love of working with people love of sharing my love of color and color crush creative and the palettes happened in 2017 it was all history after that okay so we're going to talk about those a, a little bit but just, i just want to pick up on what you said about letting letting it take time because i think that this is a really interesting point as well we we get so impatient don't we like we're in a hurry to get somewhere and i just wonder in those first few years when you were making art you obviously had this experience of uh, having a creative community around you from what you'd seen in your family, but did something change in what you expected of yourself in that time? Did you set off with one view of what, what you wanted to do and then it developed or was it just a slow, steady build? That's a very interesting question. I think because in my heart of hearts, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I could see success in the long run, mm. which that, I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but I just knew that if I put my whole heart into something, I would get to my goals. I just knew that they couldn't be tomorrow. It needed right. to take time. And it's still been almost, 
it's been more than a decade since that yeah. time. And I still know I'm still progressing. And, and so I didn't know exactly what kind of art I wanted to make or how I was going to make it or how I was going to show up. And so I tried everything. When I, I joined art communities, I volunteered to curate. I volunteered on uh, the Maryland Art Federation. Um, I even got jobs to do some of this stuff. So I could see every aspect to learn what worked and what didn't work. Um, and I befriended a lot of artists that had more experience so that I could see it through their eyes. I didn't really, when I knew I was going to transition, I didn't really know how or what it would be to. Because I went from having done crafts and scrapbooking, and I was published in those, and I was teaching courses, but I got paid in supplies. So I kind of knew that, that I needed to use my own creativity. And that really was, it was really a fun time to just like explore. And I really recommend that to new artists that are just coming to this point of finding their passion as an artist, but you're not sure where to go. It takes time and it changes continually. So no, I didn't really know where I was gonna go with it. I think in my heart of hearts, I always knew that I'd be happier to have my artwork on every mug in America than I would be to be in a museum because right. I like being accessible. So I think I at least knew that about myself to be an accessible artist. And every path is different for everyone and no no path is wrong, but I just knew what it was that would be fulfilling to me. And that was to share as much as I could. I think that's a helpful distinction, isn't it? Is that you can't know the specifics and the fine details of it, but if you have a clear sense of the direction that you want to move in and what's what you think is in your path, what's important to you, what drives you and what doesn't, like just make sure it's your path rather yeah. than somebody else's picture of what it should be like. I think I think that's a really important factor in this. And it's really hard when we have, like even in 2012, when I did my first um, exhibit, I really wasn't on Instagram, I was on Facebook, but it wasn't really, I didn't have the kind of social media drive that we see now where we can get distracted so easily. Oh, this person did that and that looks amazing, mm. but it's not every path is for everybody. So, and there are so many paths to success. And I think that that's the part that I've learned the most over the last decade is there's no one answer. There's no one way to do it. You have to find what works for you. And so you're gonna fail at a lot of things, but those failures is what's gonna propel you to the next choice and do to learn from it and do even better. I can't tell you how many failures I've had over the last decade. We could just make one whole podcast all about my failures. Do you remember your failures? Uh, I, I must admit, I tend to, I think, have, there must be a sort of uh, a, a vision, um, a phrase for looking backwards with rose tinted spectacles for failures. I think when I have failures, I tend to just go, oh, okay, well, that was that and then move on. And I, I, I kind of just block them out and keep going. For a lot of them, I look at as a learning experience, just like you, yeah. like, okay, so that happened and I learned from it and I knew what to do better next time. Mm -hmm. So none of them are truly failures if you're, if you're just using that as the stepping stone to the next thing. And, uh, but some of them were painful failures, you know, yeah. struggles with other relationships and art with artists because it's kind of a weird dynamic, um, money invested in things that didn't pan out. Um, one thing, for example, I did a residency in Baltimore for 10 months, had a show, didn't sell a single thing. Um, and I really wasn't happy most of the time I was doing that residency, but I can look back now and see why I was following the wrong path for me. 
the higher lofty fancy gallery isn't my <laughs> my my path but i learned so much about running a gallery i learned so much about the art industry i learned what not to do and what to do and so yeah is it a little bit of a sore spot in a way but like i can just proudly say i learned from that and i knew what i needed to do next time and i can give advice to others when they ask would this work for me and so i think that's kind of having tried everything gives me an opportunity to kind of know what i love and what i don't love so yeah, you're right. A little bit of rose-colored glasses in the sense that I can look back and say, eh, I did that. Okay, good. And I moved on and I survived. That's the, I think that's the most important thing is knowing you can survive through it. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> take, it doesn't take away the sting at the time, does it? You know, and I think that that's the, that's the downside, if you like. I mean, social media brings us so much. I think it, it can really enrich your world as an artist in so many ways but it does also mean that sometimes some of those failures can be you know pretty pretty public if we're honest but then I always try to remember actually no one else really cares that much no, no one's paying attention to you as much as you're paying attention to you <laughs> there's so much happening all the time that our memories are pretty short about those things so and we move on I, I wonder if we're getting actually worse as a species I, I suspect that we are with oh. really, with shorter attention spans and shorter memories and yeah we really sure. don't remember we need that shiny new thing every day to show mm. on Instagram right mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank goodness I have I have uh, you know, enough experiences, I can just keep sharing whatever it is, whatever little corner of my studio that's not a total disaster right now. And I'll, I'll keep showing up and sharing. So tell us a little bit then. So was it Color Crush Creative that really kick-started a particular direction for you? Because that has recently research so tell us how it began i know it's kind of crazy this roller coaster um but i'm right back to the beginning again i always loved to be involved with community whether it was like early on in my creative journeys i'd create courses or classes i'd teach at you know the the art store some classes some scrapbooking i'd get into shows and whatnot so i've always wanted to be involved with other people teach them organize bring them together, community. And once I learned I could do Facebook groups, I started doing Facebook groups and it was a lot of fun. And and one of the Facebook groups I had done, okay, this is really funny. I did the 100 day challenge Mm -hmm. before I knew it was a 100 day challenge. Yeah. So the 100 day project or whatever. So I had been doing this with a Facebook group for a while we were done. And then I was like, oh, wow, look, there's a whole bigger movement of the same thing. But I think it's not a new concept. This is how you get good at what you do is focus for a while. So then I was asking this group, what do they need help with? And one of the um, artists in the group said, I need help with color. I need, I keep using the same colors over and over again. I need new ideas. And I'm I said, okay, put a pin in it and I'll be back to you this evening. And what was really cool was this was an idea that within two to three hours, I had the whole thing fleshed out. How I was going to show up on Instagram with it, the new palettes, um, newsletters, sharing, getting other artists involved. And Color Crush Creative was born in one evening. It was April 19th of 2017. (laughs) And I just went with it and I did it for free for a whole year. And it just... It kind of just turned in its own thing. And of course, because of it, I always loved color, but because of it, I knew I needed to understand color better. 
So that's where this whole idea of learning to mix colors, learning to see colors, learning to understand color better um, came from because I'd make these palettes and people were like, well, which paints are those? And I'm like, I'm not sure. Just look at it and figure it out. Like to me, it was intuitive, but it's not always intuitive. So that's where I learned how to mix using just three primaries, primary magenta, primary cyan, and primary yellow plus white. And from that, True Colors was born a year later where we would do the palettes, I would mix up the colors, I would do our lessons, and I would have guest artists to provide their insights on how to make art. Okay, so before that point, so you did, you did a year of showing up online, doing this free, sharing yep. color palettes. And if people wanted to, they could sign up for a free newsletter, which they yep. got once a week and it gave them prompts. And then yep. you, firstly, a year later, you were still loving it. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. And then, so at that point then, that's what, is that when you took it into a membership? Yeah, I, I did. I still was showing, see, this was my, I will tell you my mistake in that in hindsight was I should have just called the membership the same thing that I was already using, which was Color Crush Creative. Mm. And I changed, I used the name True Colors Art Program for the membership. So that's where my first like line of confusion came in, but I kept it rolling. Um, I kept it going. I, I really loved it at first, but I think it became a struggle to keep up with a membership, which is kind of weird because like, it really depends, I guess, what kind of membership you are and what you're uh, offering. But I didn't know what I was doing to tell you the truth. I just knew I wanted to show up and teach online. And mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved the teaching part. I loved the connecting with artists part, but the pace at which I had to keep up was really challenging. Within that, you had get. I was one. I think yes, that was the first time that we kind of worked together. And I yes. have to say, if you hadn't asked me, I would probably never have recorded and edited any kind of art instructional thing. I only did it because I had to do it for you, and it took me quite and a I long time. And it's, honestly. All right, I love you all the other artists that ever participated, but your lesson was my favorite because it touched on what I needed to know the most. And it was a, just to this day, it's still one that I've watched more than once. So um, it's a great lesson, but you didn't come in until the second year. No, and no. So 2018, I started, it was 2019 that you did your, your lesson. Um, and, and then you change things. So initially these were only part, you had to, you had to be part of a membership to watch that. And then recently, so was that towards the end of 2020 oh. you closed yeah, it? Yeah, 2020 was hard for everyone, mm -hmm. but it was also hard for me because I kept trying to adapt the program to what I thought would work best. So we dropped the color palettes. Um, and I tried to take people on this journey through the creative process, but as a membership, it was very challenging to get people to follow through that journey and make it work. Yeah. And there were other compounding factors. Like I didn't take a break for two and a half years. It was just nonstop producing more, doing more, learning more, hiring people to help. Some of them worked, some of them didn't work out. So it was like a, such a learning process of building a business, but it was also a pace I couldn't sustain. And so in the about September of 2020 was when I said, okay, time to take a break. And I decided to shut down True Colors and turn all of the content into courses that people can buy. And so of course now you can purchase Alice's course 
through Alice, you can just go right through her. Um, it's grouped with other artists so that you get like a nice package of abstract artists. And I did that with all my courses and that's why this is the year of finishing. I'm taking all that content, freshening it up and making it make sense and, and working just on having courses that are always open. And I really like the course model better for what I'm doing. Right. I think a membership's great if you need coaching in your membership, if you need someone to show up and give you ideas, fresh ideas, but to create video content and to have collaborations on a monthly basis was a big, tall order for me. And I just think I didn't know how much work it was going to be until I was in it a little too deep. <laughs> but this year has been lovely because I've been able to connect with people and finish projects that I've always wanted to do. Like my oil pastel courses finished finally. I'm working on um, freshening up Seascape Escape right now. And all these courses are really geared toward the artist who is maybe a little bit new at making art, but mm. wants to understand the foundation. So it's not just free play that you end up creating a replicated project. You're really going to learn a foundation to making art that will work for you. And so I'm really excited about the fact that I can take these courses and make them work still to this day. And of course, all my courses now are, you know, you purchase it and you keep it for life. So you have lifetime access and uh, it's, it's been easier. But in the process of that, I also came back to the realization that I missed the original Color Crush Creative. It had been a year that I had not made any palettes. And because I have a book coming out, by the way. I was just going to say that what I love about the Color Crush creative lessons that are now grouped together is that they are perfect for people who are at that stage where they want little bits of inspiration yeah. it's lovely to see how different artists do things differently yes. and I think that's quite a difficult thing like often when you take a course from one person you get one person's view on it whereas the way that you've done it and repackaged and brought those little lessons together it's a really good way for people to dip their toe in and see so they're, they're there's a floral one there there are all sorts aren't there yeah. and they're, they're just grouped so that you can choose what you'd like and when you can dip in and have a little bit of inspiration I think they're fantastic and the book so tell us about the book then because this is also based around I mean color is your thing isn't it it is um because I had to spend so much time figuring out how color works best for me and to teach it I had to kind of come up with my own point of view so I have my own color principles and um, ways in which I use color and it's refined over the years but I love the fact that I had an opportunity to make a book and in the process of creating a book about color it's called Mixed Media Color Studio it's published by Quarto Books um, and Alice is in the book she has a little feature um, this this book brought me back to my first passion with Color Crush yeah. Creative. And so that's really, there's a connection between all of that. Um, and, and I know that to make good art, we need a lot more than just color to make good art. But I know that color is the easiest language to teach. So I teach value, composition, design, and all of the foundation through the lens of color. And I think that that's where I kind of take a, a, maybe a little more unique approach. 
I think the thing about colour is because it's so emotional, it's very often what really attracts us to something. Mm -hmm. Like if you think of a piece of artwork that you really respond to, that you love, yes, it can be the subject matter that pulls you in, but very often they're, they're, because there is an immediacy to colour and uh -huh. there is such a kind of visceral response to it, it's something that is very attractive I think it's probably one of the key things for artists what well, if you say you know what do you really love about this you know so many will say mixing the color and it's just like you know I shared the other day yeah. some color palettes that I was mixing people were like you could lick those you know did you want to I eat know. them they you look know. like gelato <laughs> yeah and um th there's just such this thing about it that we have this desire for it but when you get to it it can be quite a hard thing to, to learn. It, it's very difficult because it can be both quite hard and very simple. What's the biggest mistake that you think people make with color? Uh, I can answer that quite easily. They forget that color has value. Okay. And they make all mid-tone ranges and supersaturated colors. And then yeah. there's really no emphasis in your work. So that's why I love to teach all those elements through um, working with color. So we work through value, you can work through composition, you can work through design. And I have different principles that I love to teach about it. But that mid-tone range of pure saturated color, which I'm actually guilty of in my early mm -hmm. work, especially I can look back and see that that was one of my biggest mistakes. But even to this day, I can tell you that's probably the first thing artists forget to push those range of colors to create interest. They, they use all these pure saturated colors and all the same marks. And, and next thing you know, there's just like no variation. So it's not as interesting as it can be. Where <laughs> Alice, not to brag on one of my very favorite artists in the world, you really have captured that ability to push the value range, to push that saturation, to push different marks. That keeps the work so interesting. So I love that's to me the fascinating thing about color is that you can use color to address all of those challenges with your painting. So I know a lot of times you'll read, especially from professors in college classes, value is the most important thing. Yes, visually, if it's not, if it doesn't have a value range, it's not going to be an interesting painting, but it isn't the first thing that we respond to emotionally. Like you said, color really seems to be the thing we respond to emotionally. So I love to teach how to use color to create value, the value range of lightness and darks. So yeah, mid-tone, mid-tone. <laughs> It's all the same. It's going to create a boring painting. Yeah, squint. And the quickest way to check that in your painting is just to kind of squint at it. Pretend you've got or really take a picture and change it to black and white. Take a picture. Yeah. But when, you, when you're doing that with a picture, make sure you don't use the black and white filters can often exaggerate. So just yeah. use the saturation grayscale. slider and just grayscale it right down. But yeah. it's funny because you see, I really love those mid-tone colors i think that the mistake often that people make is that because they're scared of mixing they don't take the colors far enough away from what comes out of the tube without thinking yes, about exactly it. it's like yeah. pure right out of the tube i love the mid-tone colors too but in order for those to pop you need some 
yeah. darker colors and some lighter colors so that those mid-tone just jump right off the page. And then that's when the magic happens. Yeah. And it's just really enjoying. I think one of the very first, you talked about doing your 100-day project. One of the very first things I did on Instagram was I saw somebody else using a hashtag. I didn't even know what hashtag was. Somebody <laughs> else using a hashtag and it was 365 create. And I wrote to her and I said, oh, I love this hashtag. Would you mind if I used it too? So, the, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yes. I, I went to her website and I emailed her and I said, can, am I allowed to use a hashtag? And she wrote back and she said, yes, anybody can use a hashtag. Sweet. Um, so yeah, I stood Yeah way back then so I started using it and one of the first things I did was a color mixing project for myself because I felt like you I didn't really know and I you know I'd been taught in art school and I'd been taught the real specifics of like you know which green is this and which is transparent and and it was just all too complicated and I just thought I've just got to figure this out for myself so my project was pick three colors and just mix them. And it didn't even have to be three primaries. So it started off completely purely random. So it might've been one day, purple and orange and yellow. It was just kind of whatever came out of the box. And then as I went on a little bit later, I started to get a little bit more intentional about it. So I would pick, you know, one yellow, a cobalt blue and a cadmium. And then the next day I'd just switch up one of them. So I'd see what difference it made when I took the cobalt out and put an ultramarine in to see, okay, well, you get totally different greens when you do that. So that was my way of thinking, okay, well, I don't have to learn the entire thing. I'm just gonna just see what these three colors do and, and keep a little notebook for me. And it was it was so fun because it was so easy. And it really got me appreciating all the differences and how far you can push it when you have limited color palette. And that, now I kind of tend to just go a little bit crazy, but you can always bring it back again. That's the thing yeah. with color, it's so elastic. You can push it and then you can really pull it back to where you want it to be if you know how to use it. Magic. And I love that you're saying that because that's one of my favorite things to do seeing what happens when you limit a palette and all the, it's it's crazy because I just did a live demo um, earlier this week using Prussian blue, quinacridone magenta and Indian yellow hue. And the range of gorgeous colors you can get from just those three colors, it's mm. like mind blowing. Mm. And sometimes when you do that, you end up with a more harmonious painting, you discover combinations you didn't expect. But play is the only way to really know it. You can study it in a book. You can look at a color wheel. You can match color swatches. It's never going to be the same as just playing mm -hmm. with the paint. That's what you have to do. Here's another crazy combination. Black, Hansa yellow light, mm -hmm. and cadmium red. Mm -hmm. And you get these gorgeous purples and greens using black instead of blue. It's like, and you don't know that until you play. Yeah. And really, that's the best thing you can do as an artist is just play without an expected outcome. And I do remember when you did that project, because I think that we've been following each other on Instagram since that long. And I love that that as much as Instagram can be a challenge. I love the fact that all a, a good amount of my art collaborations and friendships have come from these mm -hmm. connections we make on Instagram. But I do remember when you did that project. I should go back to it, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> so working in collaboration with artists has always been a big part of it for you and I think you know it was for me as well a trigger into 
perhaps getting a little bit more visible online because I was just like quite frankly I was lonely on my own in my little painting room with you know nobody to talk to about art and it was that which drove me first onto Facebook and then on Instagram was like okay how much fun is it that there are other people out there who are equally obsessed (laughs) with all this stuff it's hard to find like as much as now that we're in this whole community, we think everybody's an artist, but if you really think about the people in your neighborhood or the people you know, it's not a very usual career path. And so the fact that we can make friends all over the world, yeah, that, that like Alice, you and I show up and like chat with each other on video chat once a month. It's like having someone that can relate to the, the troubles of being an artist, it's so much fun to have. Um, those connections. But I think collaboration was really important to me because I didn't want just an echo chamber of my own voice. Mm. I didn't want to just teach my point of view because I really believe there are thousands of paths to the end and it's not just my way. So I love to teach what I know, but I always want to learn from other artists myself. I believe one of my favorite quotes is Shunryu Suzuki, who says, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. And in the expert's mind, there are few. So as soon as you think you're an expert at something, you're shutting down opportunity. So to me, I always wanna be a beginner and have my mind opened. And so by collaborating with other artists, seeing their point of view, understanding the experiences they went through, what kind of education they got, how they approach artwork, I'm always opening up to new possibilities. And I always wanted to give that to the students that I taught was different points of view. So collaboration has always been part of the way I do things. And I think it always will be. So if you're interested, if the Color Crush creative thing, does, does that happen on your main Instagram account? So at Instagram, you your account is at Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-E, Win Studios, W-Y-N-N-E Studios. So yes. does that happen on that Instagram account? I mean, I love to remind people that Color Crush Creative exists, but it has its own Instagram account and it even has its own website now. Okay. Um, so, and a blog. Uh, so that I can share those palettes and share those things with people from um, the point of view of its kind of its own little world. And what I love about the Color Crush Creative Instagram account is that it's a sharing account. So I share other people's artwork on it. The palettes are in inspo, and then those who are using those color palettes in their artwork tag Color Crush Creative, use the hashtags, and then I find new accounts that I can share. And it's just a really beautiful Instagram account because, I mean, it's color for the eyes, delight you, but it is also a sharing account. So there's that collaboration that comes in again. Um, And that way I feel like I'm giving back to the community by having an account where I can share other people's work. That's really nice. I didn't know that actually. So I must make sure that I go over and and follow that. (laughs) So do you tend you tend to only share if people are following or using the palette of that week so that you get this? I can imagine I just imagine it now as being this beautiful (laughs) rainbow, right? It is a rainbow. And I do try to find colors that match. And if, if, you know, and I'm looking for clear, bright photographs. And if it's not perfect, I share in stories, I share what people are doing. Um, But and sometimes I share artists that didn't actually tag me if I just find an artist I love. I'm like the junior version of the jealous curator. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm just looking for 
Um, and I'm looking for all types of art, not just painters. I look for fiber artists, um, ceramic artists, uh, sculpture, digital. It doesn't really matter what you create. I want everyone to be involved with Color Crush Creative. And last year, you took that even further with a virtual art summit, which is happening again this year. And it was quite funny. Before we started recording, I was trying to get Kelly nailed down on the dates. Yes. And when you, when you see somebody else, who you know, can put together things as well as this, and they're still like, well, it might start this date on this date. So it's going to start mid-June. She agreed yes. 15th of June. So if you're yes. listening to this, you've got sort of two weeks coming up. But, but what's it going to be, the Virtual Arts Summit? Well, I have to tell you first, the Virtual Arts Summit came out of the pandemic because when we all shut down last year, the whole globe shut down, Yeah. right? And I knew that that also meant a lot of people didn't have money to pay for extra things because people didn't have work, but they also were stuck home and needed inspiration. So I pulled together 15 artists plus myself to create something spur of the moment. I gave them two weeks time to turn around with a video and we just did whatever makes you happy. Paint whatever makes you happy and let's share this with the world. And I opened it up as pay what you can. So if you didn't have money, you didn't have to pay, you could still enjoy the program. If you had money, you could donate it. And those donations I then turned into scholarships. And here's the crazy thing. I was able to offer 18 full year scholarships to my content at $350 a piece. Plus I bought art supplies from a very small art store so that they could keep their business running and used those art supplies got sent to each of those scholarship winners. So it's kind of crazy to think that this was a pay what you can thing, spur of the moment that brought so much joy to everyone. And, um, and I, like I said, Color Crush Creative came in one night, Virtual Art Summit I threw together in about two to three weeks time. My best ideas take very, very quick yeah. snap thoughts. That might be part of my personality. So I knew it was something since I shut down True Colors that I wanted to continue with the Virtual Art Summit so that I could continue with collaboration. So this year's theme is color, of course, it's color. <laughs> and I have asked, 15 artists plus myself will be involved in participating in the Virtual Arts Summit. And it's a two-part thing. There will be live interviews daily from the 15th to, what did we say? The 15th to the 29th. There will be live interviews every single day with a different artist. And um, then we will also be opening up the courses, which is about 20 to 30 minutes from each of them. A pre-recorded video on color, that you can pay what you can to participate. So I think that it's just, it's my way of being able to give back, but also, um, you know, it's good for the artists that are participating because their name gets out there, their programs get out there. Um, and I want, that's part of my goal is that we all succeed. Uh, if we're running a business and we're teaching art online or we're teaching business online or we're coaches, that we have a chance to reach a bigger audience. And this is a really good opportunity for us to all collaborate and come together for that. So the, the, the pay what you want model, what did you call it? You had a slightly different name. Yeah, I wanna say pay what you can, not pay what you want, because I want people to really consider what their financial status is. And, you know, 16 artists coming together that I'm hosting on my platform, that's like, you know, eight hours worth of content that I would normally sell for over $300. So I'm not asking people to say, I can spend $300, but if you can afford to even donate a little bit, 
I would recommend that you do that because then that money turns into scholarship, that money turns into more free programs and more collaborations and next year's virtual arts summit. There's stuff to yeah. download and there's things to watch. It's, it's really going to be quite rich pickings, isn't it? Oh my there's going to be a lot in there. And when this podcast opens, um, we'll have a sign up for it. It won't be ready to launch, but you can at least get on the list at virtualartsummit.com backslash go. And that's where you'll get to see who all the amazing artists are that are participating. I'm like mind blown because like, I couldn't be happier than to have the artists that have volunteered their their time and energy to create a lesson on color. We're gonna have 16 different lessons on color. I mean, the points of view are just astounding, really. How did you choose the, the people that you wanted to be involved? Well, a lot of times my choices come down to who, who am I already involved with on Instagram? Who have I already built a relationship with? Who do I admire? Who do I wanna learn from? Um, who, and I'm also always looking for people who already are active teachers because that way I know that they understand the teaching process, the video recording process, and then they can give back as well. Because one thing I'm doing this year, instead of all the scholarships just going to me, each of our participating artists is going to be able to give a scholarship away to their programs, which means a bigger opportunity for everybody. It's not always easy to find the right people to tell you the truth. And I do get people saying no all the time, which, you know, it's fine. I understand we get so busy, but it comes down to, you know, who's already putting themselves out there and, um, a, you know, who are, whoever has a, a clear point of view that I think would be of benefit to the community. I'm really looking forward to it. Both Alice and Louise are going to be part of the virtual yes. art summit, by the way. That's no secret. So if you want to find out about this, that's the place to go to. Uh, you go to virtualartsummit.com slash go. So and then during those dates, people can sign in, they can watch. And what, what happens after those dates? What happens when it finishes? Well, unlike a typical summit, I will keep the content going because I really want the opportunity for everyone to get in and get inspired by art. But those dates is when we're going to have the live interviews for each artist. Yeah. We'll keep the recording of that. And then the pre-recorded lessons will continue to have access to sign up for it until the end of August of 2021. After that, you won't be able to sign up for it. But those who have signed up by the end of August 2021 will be able to keep the recorded lessons. Fantastic. So if you if you if you feel like you're going to get a little bit um, behind schedule and you can't catch up with um, a new teacher and a new thing to do every single day, which is fun but also quite yeah. intensive, that's the it way is. to keep hold of them. Got it? Yes, okay. I do. I wanted to make sure that this wasn't something. This valuable content wasn't just going to disappear. It's just my my way of doing things. I just have to keep that. I, it's like taking away the internet from you. Once you have it, you can't take it away. <laughs> we are ahead of schedule. And I think that everyone's going to really enjoy this opportunity to learn art, whether they're new at art or they've been doing it forever. There's going to be something for everyone to learn from really amazing artists. So yeah, I'm excited. And I think that this is going to end up being an annual event from here on out because why not continue to give back to the community that supported us so well? The lesson that I've done for you is something that I do naturally anyway. And I, 
it was really difficult. I did a call out on Instagram. I said, what do you want to learn from me on colour? And I got so many fantastic suggestions back again. And I thought, well, I can create something around that totally from scratch. But I really just wanted to share something that I just do anyway with colour. So when I'm doing what we talked about, which is exploring with three different colours that are new, that takes it on from just doing colour swatches, because we can learn from colour swatches. But actually, the reality is that we learn about colour when we paint with it, when we mix with it, when we actually use it. So that's what my lesson is about. And um, it was recorded one day in the studio. And then I've put together put it together so that you can actually see how it ends up and then how those ideas perhaps end up in my work. Not as a directive, but the process of doing this and learning and exploring colour in this way always comes out in your work. It can't help but come out in your work because it's such an essential part of it. So that's what I've got for you in it. And that's really what I asked of all of our guests was to just share how you would naturally use Mm. colour in your work. And we have some surprises on. Some of the guests do things that are very different from Alice and I. uh, And and just getting that insight. You know, I really am passionate about teaching people how to find their own voice. That's my second favorite thing after color. So when we teach lessons that just guide you to find your own way through the knowledge that we have, rather than saying, first put down this line, then put down this line. Like, that's fine. That's how we learn sometimes. But I love it when we can get to that point where we learn new points of view and then start creating for ourselves and letting it kind of flow through us. But having that foundation makes it so much easier to let the work flow through us. So learning how you see color is really going to open up people's minds to new possibility. All right, just before we wrap up then, can you tell us something about your week that's inspired you? What's brought a little flash of inspiration to you this week? Well, I actually finally got away after all this time of staying home properly as we're supposed to. I took a road trip with my mother up to Ithaca to hike and see the falls. And on our way back, we stopped at Corning Art Museum. It's a glass museum. It is so fabulous. And to see this medium that's different from what I work with, is it's like it triggers all these new ideas. And it has been so long since I've been in an art museum that it was like just so soul-filling. The colors, the transparency, the textures, the shapes. And also I got a chance to play with glass and make some fused glass. Um, So that was a lot of fun. There's that um, artist in me of wanting to do all the things that had a moment where I thought, oh, I could do fused glass as a career. (laughs) And then of course, I was smart enough to step back and say, well, it's this is the year of finishing, no new things. <laughs> it's so, so funny. I think everybody has this in their background. So I have had a various stages that I've had um, ceramics. I could be great at ceramics. I love doing ceramics, yeah. enameling, silver enameling, really love that. Doing I know. You know, physically making things, puppet furniture at one point. I was oh, like, yes. Oh my gosh. I think it's an artist's curse because we're never, as long as we're making, we're never bored and we're always... There's so much to be inspired. If you open your eyes, there's so much to be inspired by in this world. And yeah, so we just have to take it one step at a time. So for now, that was a fun fusing class and I'm going to stop there and not 
invest in thousands of dollars worth of glass and a, and a firing kill. That might be a whole subject for another podcast. So maybe we will leave it there for today. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I hope that has whetted all of your appetites for colour and all things Colour Crush. So just to remind you once again, um, you can find all the details about Kelly and her work at Kelly Wynn Studios, but for the Virtual Arts Summit, you go direct to virtualartsummit.com slash go and add your name there if you want to hear when this is coming out and just make sure that you get the heads up for when this is starting and how you can be involved with it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alice. This has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the Virtual Arts Summit soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't know. We usually have that little snippet, that outtakey thing. Yes, I love the outtake. We need some outtakes. You have to do something. You have to get the dog in. Usually well, we have my son interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't catch me crying at the beginning of this <laughs> the roller coaster of emotions for an artist <laughs>